Well, greetings in the Master's name. Back in December, I had preached on addition. And I review that a little bit. And today, I want to talk about subtraction. In the uh, in your mailboxes is a um, a summary of the conference we just had in January. Um, the uh, secretary just put together a, a summary on one sheet. The uh, <clears throat> the summary for the summer session. One of the points was the uh, acceptable use of social media had been discussed and said uh, this was part of the summary. Point number four, conference voted that the local ministry of each congregation would preach sermons periodically on holiness and the danger of feeding the flesh. And I was thinking that these sermons on addition, subtraction, I don't know if I'll get to multiplication, division or not, but um, it's, it's, it's kind of fulfilling that. Now, it might be more abstract or generic than what was intended when it was talked about in conference. I mean, a person could talk about, you could your, your sermon could be holiness. That could be the title of your sermon. Or it could be feeding the flesh. You know, that could be. But looking at these, <clears throat> these concepts of what the Lord wants us to put on and what he wants us to take away, I won't because um, I'm going to ask you for the words while, after a while. Uh, but, uh, and then uh, another thing I didn't, of course, I hadn't thought about in my, uh, in my notes, but I don't have my notes, but this, this Sunday school lesson, you know, I've heard preachers say already how it's kind of uncanny how sometimes the Sunday school lesson lines up with the message. Well, I, I hadn't thought about that in relation to this lesson, but when we were going over it, I sure did. Because <clears throat> it says, <clears throat> the focus is to voluntarily give up. Well, that's subtraction. Uh, to give up. And it says to give up legitimate privileges. And we were talking about a little bit in our class how <clears throat> our rights, you know, in the Western world, we're, in, we're, in, we're focuses on the individual, individualism, uh, independence. Uh, in, in, in the Eastern Oriental mindset, it's more the group. And of course, you know, we don't necessarily. Uh, I, I, you know, maybe it's maybe it's because I, I've grown up here in this in this Western world uh, with all the emphasis here in the Western world. But um, the you know, I don't particularly like the idea of groupthink. You know, I like to be able to think for myself. Uh, and, and we shouldn't just. We shouldn't just parrot what the group says. We need to be submissive to the group. We need to own things for ourselves. We need to think through things and own them for ourselves and not just say them because the group says them. But this thing of... Well, anyway. Uh, give up legitimate privileges to more effectively serve others. And so, submissiveness to the group. I'm thinking sometime... Well, I shouldn't tell you, I don't reckon. But anyway, uh, I'm thinking sometime I'd like to preach a sermon on Gleason Height because I'd like to study and find out what it means. And then I can tell you all. Uh, but it's pretty important. I think it's a pretty important concept. And um, the reason I got thinking about it is because some email exchange I had with somebody else. 
But uh, <clears throat> anyway, so to voluntarily give up legitimate privileges, and just a little bit more on our lesson, you know, this thing, okay, subtracting, uh, I mean, maybe I'm trying to apply this to make things apply that really don't. I'm thinking about subtraction, I'm thinking about giving up, and so on. And we was talking, we studied Apostle Paul, and there's there's some verses that really are really, really powerful about Apostle Paul. I know one time I was, uh, there was a brother who was going through some really difficult time in church. He felt like he was, because of what he thought he was standing for, he was being put on the hot seat. And uh, actually, it was an ordained brother, and, and he was, um, it, it was very, very troubling to him. And the verses that I shared with him were uh, from Second um, Corinthians, if I can find it here. Yeah, it's Second Corinthians twelve fifteen. Paul said, "I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved." He's saying, I, I'm, I, I'm just willing to be poured out for you. He said, even though the more I love you, the less you respond. And then the, the, uh, <clears throat> that thing of sacrifice, Paul said in Philippians 2, and that's after he talks about how Christ made himself of nothing. And he says, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. In other words, and then somebody, maybe John Coleman's wrote that little song about, would you be poured out as wine upon the altar? Would you be, what's the rest of it? Forget, won't come to me. Broken like bread? Yeah. Okay, broken, poured out like wine, broken as bread, but sacrificed. See, Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And I mentioned that before, but the Old Testament sacrifice was consumed on the altar. And so we're willing for our lives to be consumed for God. We're willing our lives to be consumed for others. And that's laying aside everything else. Well, just reviewing a little bit the um, the message on addition. And what, what kind of um, brought me to that one was... Uh, Thinking about this statement that uh, salvation is by grace through faith in Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing. You hear that a lot, and it come, and, uh, and and you have it in Ephesians too. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then I looked at some tracks that come from a tract organization. I, I like their tracks. But I read these tracts, and I said, what is missing? And what is typically missing is repentance. Talks about what Christ has done for you, you know, and you say this prayer and sign your name, and you're good to go. It doesn't talk much about repentance. And, uh, and the Bible does. Um, Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And that the, the 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 words that are used there, I understand, is like a person is bankrupt, totally bankrupt. If somebody expressed it this way. It's kind of like, um, how did they say it? I forget now. Something about being at the bottom of the well. 
not having a bucket to even get the water so I don't know but in other words there's nothing you can do for yourself poor in spirit you're 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 helpless and you you recognize that you acknowledge it and then it says blessed are the meek Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are, blessed are they that mourn. Which is, I'm getting mixed up now, which is which. But those three, and a person that mourns, that's repentance. You, you acknowledge, there's people that will acknowledge that, yeah, I'm at the end of the rope, all right, you know. But they won't give up. Mourning is being sorry for your sin. Well, when John the Baptist started preaching, he said, repent. When Jesus started preaching, Matthew 4, 17, he said, repent. And the apostles went out, and their message was repent when Jesus sent the apostles out. When Peter, on the, on the, on the day of Pentecost, at first sermon, Peter preached, he said, repent. They said, what should we do? And he said, repent. And then Paul in Acts, you have it, Acts 17, 30, Acts 26, 20, he said, repentance and works meet for repentance. Works that fit repentance. And then that whole thing of works. And uh, Titus talks about works uh, several places. Ephesians 2.10, right after that, those verses that people really concentrate on or champion or whatever about we're saved by faith, you know, salvation by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. The very next verse, 10, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So, yeah, uh, works won't save you. We don't argue that point. We don't believe that, that works will save you. But, okay, uh, one, uh, two more verses. Um, Hebrews 10.24 says, Provoke each other to good works. And James said, I will show you my faith by my works. But then, about works saving us. And I, and we went, to, we went to 2 Peter 1. And I'm just going to run over that real quick. And then we'll get to subtraction. But in 2 Peter, he says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things, that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so you've got, you've got uh, his divine power that's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we're, we have these exceeding great and precious promises. We're partakers of the divine nature. We've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I mean, what more could you want or need? And then he says, besides all this, give diligence, add. So that's where my addition comes from. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Works don't save us. But... The kind of life we live, these things he said were to add to, they're necessary 
for us to be ministered into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's scripture. I wrote a letter to a mission organization one time that had that thing in their newsletter, kind of their their um, motto or whatever, uh, salvation through faith in Christ plus nothing minus nothing. And I went over some of this and I said, to summarize, I would not call diligence, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brother kindness, charity, tribulation, repentance, and obedience, nothing. Salvation is by faith in Christ plus nothing minus nothing. And I wouldn't call those things nothing. They are necessary. Well, okay, now, uh, subtraction. So we add to our faith. Now, now a little, a little uh, assignment for you all right now. Subtraction. What phrases, what phrases come to your mind? What verses, anything comes, when you, you think about subtraction, any scripture phrases along that line come to your mind? Words? Put off. Yeah, put off. That's one. There's a couple others. Revelation says about taking away from the uh, message of the book that you're writing. Okay, so don't subtract from the word. Yeah, that wasn't where I was going, but that's important. <laughs> There's one other, and I was I thought maybe somebody would think of. Lay aside. Yeah, lay aside. Um, okay, and what? Where, where's what's the verse? Where's the verse that has that in it? Yeah, and what's the reference? Hebrews 12, 1. Okay, let's look at that verse a little bit. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1. Familiar verse. And I thought of that one, and then I kind of got uh, intrigued with it, uh, some thoughts there. Hebrews 12, 1, wherefore, laying us, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And I expect, I expect the, the readers, New Testament times, uh, would, uh, would connect with Paul's reference here, maybe even more so than we. We, we know, of course, about uh, uh, races and so on. But um, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, I mean, when they had their games, when they had their games, they had their stadiums just like we do, and you have this huge crowd of witnesses, and it calls it a cloud. That just means just people everywhere. Uh, so it's just a whole cloud of them. Uh, but that, this comes after Hebrews 11, where we have the people of faith, and he's saying they're an example to us. And uh, so let us lay aside lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, lay aside every weight. We are in a race. Paul talks about the race. Uh, I think that's in Corinthians also. He talks about the race. He says, 
They that run, yeah, that's in Corinthians, I think. They that run the race, just one obtains the crown, but we can all obtain the crown, but we need to run lawfully, is what he says. And there might even be a, an allusion there to when you're you know, on the track, you need to stay in your lane. But anyway, you need to run lawfully. Uh, he's saying, but anyway, the reference to the race, and he says, lay aside every weight, every hindrance. Now, now maybe this comparison, I don't want it to uh, cause us to think too much along that line, but the reference, the, the, the Greek games, the, the Greek games, well, of course, the Greeks, they, uh, they, they glorified the body, the physique, the human body. Um, so that's not so much different from today. Uh, but when they, in their contest, in their races, they wore, they, they performed without any clothes on. Uh, no hindrances. There was partly no hindrances and partly uh, uh, simply their glorification of the human body. Um, the, to them, the perfect body was the athletic body. And like I say, that's not so much different from today. Um, but the laying aside, I mean, laying aside everything, I mean, to, to, to perform without any clothes on, laying aside everything would be a hindrance. How drastic that is, applying it to our spiritual lives, get rid of everything, anything. That's a hindrance. That's the teaching here. And how, how radical are you going to be about that? I mean, Paul said there in Corinthians where he's talking about the race, he says, I don't beat the air while a boxer, you know, they practice the punching bags and stuff. He said, I don't beat the air, meaning, meaning I should turn to that passage, see if I can find it. Um, because that, that's laying, that's, that's discipline, that's laying aside everything that, uh, see, you know, which chapter is that? Okay, right, thank you. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So he says, I keep under my body. Well, now, athletes nowadays, um, they'll, they'll do extreme things to be fit. I mean, their diet, uh, their practicing, almost not torture, but I mean, they, they practice till it hurts for this earthly race. And Paul's, Paul's saying, how much more determined should we be in our heavenly race? I think upon I think come pretty close home. Because there, there are things we do. There are things we do that aren't wrong. But they might be a hindrance. I heard a brother say one time that uh this young man told his dad that he couldn't read. The young He wasn't telling his dad he couldn't. He was telling his dad that he couldn't. He said, I can't read Reader's Digest. 
because I think some of the jokes and stories that ran it, 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 it hindered him spiritually. So he said, I'm not going to do it. Well, I, I pray the Reader's Digest. But I know, what he's, I know what he's talking about, too. So are we willing, any, anything, that, anything that dulls our spiritual sharpness, are we willing to give that up? Are we willing to sacrifice it? Well, let's uh, look at a few other verses that have the idea of subtraction in them. Let's go to 1 Peter 2. You know, we think about, <clears throat> okay, subtracting from our lives, laying aside things. Um, and, you know, we might, and it's good if we do, we might think about um, casual reading that doesn't feed our spirits. Um, the sports page or the funnies or there, there might be other things like that. But now look, look at what this verse says. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, uh, another translation said it this way, Now that you have done with all malice, all deceitfulness, insincerity, jealous feelings, and all backbiting, and then, of course, the addition thing, or the positive thing, is the next verse. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. But laying aside all malice, well, I guess we wouldn't think we're guilty of malice, but guile, deceitfulness, insincerity, Jealous feelings, backbiting. Interesting, I was talking to, uh, see, Thursday, I think it was Thursday morning, yeah. I stopped in down there at Carl's Donuts um, and uh, was talking. Well, there was a homeless fellow in there that had some fairly serious problems. But there was another one there, Philip, the one that not, he's not the one that had the serious problems this week, but the, the Philip that was here one Sunday. Uh, and he, he goes around to the churches uh, in behalf of open doors and trying to line up churches for open doors. But the, uh, I think it was Asbury Method he's supposed to be talking at Thursday morning about 11 o'clock. And he said he was going to talk to him about gossip. You know, you see somebody on the street and you kind of form your opinion of them and uh, you maybe say some things about them. And uh, so he, he was going to talk about gossip. Well, it's a good subject. Uh, so what's it say here? It says, lay aside all evil speakings. Doesn't have to just be limited to the people you see on the street that you think are down and outers. Could be people in the church you talk about. Uh, so lay aside. That, that, that's some of the subtraction. In 1 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul said, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Contrast, tremendous contrast there. Malice, wickedness, sincerity, truth. Now let's go to Ephesians 4. We have a number of uh, words here along the line of subtracting and a addition, subtraction addition. In Ephesians 4 verse 20, 
He says, ye have not so learned Christ. Now, starting in verse 17, maybe I didn't start at the right place, but uh, this whole last part of the chapter is talking about new life in Christ. And uh, he's talking about those who haven't given themselves to Christ. But he says, ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And, and right there, I'll, I'll just stop right there. You know, when we think about take, laying aside things that are hindrances to us, uh, adding the things that uh, strengthen our spiritual life, and it says, ye have not so learned Christ. In other words, the ones that did not uh, follow us. Well, it talks about being alienated in your mind and ignorant and so on, blindness. If so be ye have heard him and been taught by him. So are we listening to Christ? Are we hearing from him? Are we learning from him? He is our model. The bishop isn't your model. Now, brothers and sisters, we are, we're supposed to have positive peer pressure in the church. And we, we're to stimulate each other, to provoke each other to, what's it say, uh, good works and something else. I forget what the other word is. So yes, we're, we're supposed to encourage each other and, and our lives should be a model. But every, every, th this is just another aside, uh, just now came to me. My little thing in life, or one little thing in life, Socrates had this syllogism where all men are mortal. John Swartz is a man, therefore John Swartz is mortal. And I've changed that a little bit for my life. All men are fallible. John Swartz is a man, therefore John Swartz is fallible. In other words, even my brothers and sisters, every single one of them, every one of you all is fallible. And so if, if you mess up somewhere along the line, um, it doesn't, it does, I might be disappointed, but it doesn't take the wind out of my sails because all men are fallible. Now, this doesn't mean we just excuse sin and so on. But, but Jesus Christ is the measuring stick. He is the model. And he's the one we're supposed to be learning from. He's the one we're supposed to be looking to. He's the one we're supposed to be measuring our life by. Just because, just because Ben's a little older than me and he might just be a little further along spiritually than I am, that doesn't mean he, that doesn't mean he can stop. He needs to measure his life by Jesus Christ, not the fact that he's better than me. Or however, I just use that for an example. But I think you understand. Well, okay, let's go on. If you've heard him and been taught by him, that you put off concerning the former conversation or behavior, that word is, the old man, which is corrupt. Okay, it says put off. That's subtraction. Put off your former behavior, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, desires. We all have them. We all have those desires. Now, Paul had a great desire. We studied in our lesson today, and we was talking about what made Paul the way he was. And, and you know, I thought about when he was standing there, was it before Agrippa, Felix Agrippa? Maybe I think it was Agrippa. He said, I wish every one of you here was like me, except for these bonds. I mean, he was saying, I, I wish all of y'all had a relationship with Jesus Christ like I do. And so, 
That was his desire. I'm saying we have desires. We have desires we have to crucify. We have desires we have to keep in control. But I mean, Paul had some great desires. So put off those deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye put on, that's the addition, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And you know, it's interesting here. The scripture says you put this on because You can't you 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 can't do it. You, you can't do it, and it says here to do it. So so the balance, you see. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, "You must be born again. You have to come alive spiritually. You got to let the Holy Spirit do that. God makes a new." That's okay. Yeah, Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians five. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So we've got to have that. But these scriptures, these kind of scriptures show us that we have something too. We can't save ourselves. And we can't make ourselves holy. We can let God work in us. But we've got something. We, 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 there's, some, there's some effort and decisions that are required on our part. So there's that balance. I mean, if... If you try all your life to do stuff in your own strength, you're going to never arrive. So you've got to pray, and you've got to depend on God. But you can't just sit back and say, God's going to do it all. It, it takes a—I mean, Paul, he talks about running that race. I mean, he's talking about tremendous discipline, tremendous discipline. Well, here, I'll tell you what, in our American society, it sure doesn't promote uh, anything like— Personal discipline is a free-for-all. If you want to do it, do it. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away, here's a subtraction, lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. Rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying. Or how many of us pass that measure? that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. A lot of put off and put on there. A lot of subtraction, a lot of addition in that passage. There were some things that I had looked up about that Hebrews 12 passage that I kind of forgot to mention, and I think maybe I'll bring it in now. Um, as far as putting off 
anything and everything that's a hindrance, hindrances and impediments. I wanted to see what that word impediments meant. And I looked it up and it said something that makes progress or movement difficult or impossible. It's a synonym to hindrance. Okay, Adam Clark said on this idea of let us lay aside every weight, as those who ran in the Olympic races would throw aside everything that might impede them in their course, so Christians professing to go to heaven must throw aside everything that might hinder them in their Christian race. Whatever weighs down our hearts or affections to earth and sense, that's the five senses he's talking about, is to be carefully avoided. For no man with the love of the world in his heart can ever reach the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty strong statement. No man with the love of the world in his heart can ever reach the kingdom of heaven. But that's what James says. James says, whosoever will be, it doesn't say is, whosoever even has that inclination, whosoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, Barnes, Barnes was a commentator. He lived from 1798 to 1870, and that helped me understand one of his references here. But he said, as applied to Christians, it means that they should remove all which would obstruct their progress in the Christian course. Thus, it is fair to apply to whatever would be an impediment in our efforts to win the crown of life. It is not the same thing in all persons. In one, it may be pride. In another, vanity. In another, worldliness. In another, a violent and almost ungovernable temper. In another, a corrupt imagination. In another, a heavy laden, insensible heart. In another, some improper and holy attachment, unholy attachment. So he's saying, depending on the person, that lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. He's talking, and actually in this, he's talking about the sin which does so easily beset us. What is it? It's not the same for each person. Whatever it may be, we are exhorted to lay it aside. And this general direction may be applied to anything which prevents our making the highest possible attainment in the divine life. Some persons would make much more progress if they would throw away many of their personal ornaments. Some, if they would disencumber themselves of the heavy weight of gold which they're endeavoring to carry with them. So some very light objects in themselves considered become material encumbrances, even a feather or a ring. Such may be the fondness of these toys may become such a weight they will never make much progress towards the prize. And I thought I had an idea what he was talking to, talking about when he talked about feather. And so I looked it up, women's hats, um, in the 1800s. And I just looked up a little bit about that and said, American fashionistas were in a frenzy over feather hats, aught hotwear, aught headwear, made from real bird plumage was seen everywhere. The delirium was so widespread, in fact, that by 1886, writes Douglas Brinkley in The Wilderness, okay, this book he wrote titled The Wilderness Warrior, Theodore Roosevelt and the Crusade for America, more than five million birds were being massacred yearly to satisfy the booming North American millinery trade. Along Manhattan's Ladies Mile, the principal shopping district centered on Broadway and 23rd Street, retail stores sold the feathers of snowy egrets, white ibises, and great blue errands. He continues, dense bird colonies were being wiped out in Florida so that women of the private carriage crowd could make a fashion statement by shopping for egrets. That means a plume of feathers. 
Some women even wanted a stuffed owl hat on their bonnets and a full hummingbird wrapped in bejeweled vegetation as a brooch. So I don't think that any of us would be tempted to have a stuffed owl in our bonnet or a bejeweled hummingbird for a brooch. But anyway, he's just saying, whatever it is, be willing to lay it aside. And uh, different things nowadays than in the 1800s, but the principle is still there. Uh, let's turn yet to Romans 13. There's another passage that has quite a few put-offs and put-ons, somewhat similar to the Ephesians 4 passage. It's Colossians 3, and I think maybe I'll just skip that one. But let's look at Romans uh, 13. Romans 13, verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off. That's the subtraction part in this verse. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So there it is again. It's, it's that battle, and we have to subtract it. We have to put it off. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. What? What are your fleshly desires? And are they all wrong? What does it mean? If you look at the life of Paul, I think you get a pretty good idea. He's running that race and he laid aside everything to hinder him in that race. I would say he made not provision for the flesh to fulfill those, those desires. He sacrificed more than most of us. I mean, he says one time, you know, the other apostles did this and did that and did something else. Doesn't he have the right for that too? But he laid it aside to pursue his goal. And so what, how much and what are we willing to lay aside, legitimate or otherwise, To pursue that goal, to become more Christ-like, to have that that thrill of seeing other people into the kingdom. So I'll just I'll just close with that thought. Make put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's a subtraction, but it's also the addition. Let's kneel for prayer.